The world we know is a collection of stories, tales, and legends, either real or imagined, all need to be told. There is a place to tell them. So if you want to go there, just click your heels and come join us. The Wizards of Odd. We just didn't, we couldn't believe what we really saw. What if someone or something could warn you about the future? Half man, half monster, or I guess you'd call it. Never seen anything like it. I hope I never do again. You know, it's unbelievable. But the very sight of this messenger filled you with terror. Those eyes. That's all she'd ever say was those eyes. What if it showed you a disaster was about to occur, but no one would believe you? People were screaming. You could hear them hollering for help. It's already happened. Not just here, but all over the world. And it's happening right now. Wherever this messenger Don, appears... It's happening all over the world, and it's happening right now. Yes. What's happening, Seth? How are you? The Mothman. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. There's more. See, now, folks, this, this episode, we're really going down the rabbit hole now. This is a bad one. <laughs> This is we gotta pull back a little bit. <laughs> let me uh, let me first thank uh, the Search for Moth- Mothman documentary from YouTube for that interesting little uh, one minute clip. And um, Don, I think the only way to go after last week's show on injured cold yeah. was back to West Virginia. Yeah. To talk about the Mothman prophecies. How are you tonight? I'm all right. Injured Cold is kind of like prologue to the Mothman yeah, story. He really he's is. He's not done weaving his way through other people's stories, but he really leads us into this quite well. And this whole area is a very hotbed of very strange things. Yeah. This could keep us busy for another year. <laughs> Before we begin, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, I, as I mentioned um, a couple of weeks ago, Please do me a favor uh, when you're listening to the show, um, pass that information on to other people. Yes. Uh, especially if anyone is interested in the things that we talk about. Uh, people might not like every single topic, but I think they'll like the way we present the topics and more wh- than anything. Whispered in their ears while they're sleeping subliminally. The Wizards of Odd. <laughs> like the president. You should be watching the Wizards. You should be watching the Wizards of Odd. <laughs> I'll, well, I'll bet you this. You know why? Because it's spooky. If we cut the president a check for any amount of money, say, since he's uh, always... All right. all right, I'll do it. That's Spe- fine yeah, with yeah. me. Speaking of Mothman. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Wizards of Odd Podcast. Uh, if you want to email us, email us at wizardsoddpodcast at gmail.com. And um, I'm ready to dive right in. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right, before we get into the actual Mothman, I think what's more important is to talk about the person who actually wrote the book called The Mothman Prophecies. Yeah, the man who kind of put it on the map. And that's John Keel. John Keel. And for those of you who don't know who John Keel is, um, just a little bit about him. He was born in 1930, and he was a freelance writer for a lot of newspapers, uh, when the Mothman stuff started, he was writing for the New York Times pretty much exclusively. But, Don, I don't know if you knew this, because I didn't until I did a little more research. He was also a script writer for radio, 
and TV and um, some of the night gallery and creepy shows that were on, he actually wrote those shows. Yeah, it was. I, like I, I told you once before, I know somebody who knew him, strangely enough. Yes. Who I hope yes. to get involved in the show at some point, but mm-hmm. somebody who actually knew him. And they told me that he had been the, uh, the inspiration for the, carrier, the character of Kolchak. Oh, the Night Stalker. Yeah, he was yeah. he was like kind of the idea for that. So he was kind of going around and he started getting into these. It was almost like a, the precursor to like George Knapp. Where George yeah. Knapp was an investigative reporter that ended up being a UFO guy because he got into it. And then everybody mm-hmm. kind of pushed him aside. Well, yeah. then the Godfrey with the, the, the Beast of Bray Road. Beast of Bray Road. Well, he was before them and he was researching a lot of odd events which led him to this place and this story. What was... What was also strange, like like you said, he was researching. He was intrigued by UFOs um, right from the whole Roswell thing. Right, right. And he actually, uh, with all his investigations, found that the window of opportunities when there were sightings or there were creepy things going on happened on Wednesdays and Saturdays. (laughs) Mostly, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was weird. And to me, when I watched it, it seems like a lot of stuff happens in November. It, mm. It's weird. Or else... Uh, yeah, like, that's true. There, A lot of stuff does happen in or November. Else, or else, like uh, Dave Politis says, but these people go missing in the national parks and everything, and he's done extensive research. Uh, if you want to read some really scary stuff, check him out, Missing 411. But he talks about how most of these people go missing late in the afternoon. From like yes. 3, 3.30 to like yep. dusk, and then it's... You know, that, you know, it doesn't really happen much. That's after. odd that that is. It could be something to do with the, the tricksters using the light. I don't know. But we don't want to get to that right now. Almost like you're getting into a veil yeah, between so light and yeah, dark. where they can manipulate the light a little better. And this, fans, is why um, we go off on tangents. Because... And why I'm not allowed to. Because <laughs> <Why? laughs> we could be here for weeks. Well, in 1967, uh, John Keel actually popularized the term... Men in Black, in an article that he wrote called UFO Agents of Terror. Mm. And uh, he, that was pretty much the first time where they talked about the men in black. Um, I'm not going to start talking about the men in black right now, because there are so many kind of things. What, what could they be? We'll, we'll, oh, yeah. we'll get that's, into that a little uh, later. This will lead into that. See, this stuff all leads you down the same rabbit hole, no matter where you start. End up in the same place. So, John Keel's living in New York City. He's writing uh, as a freelance writer for the New York Times. Life is pretty cool. He's enjoying himself. He's a young man. He's like uh, in his mid 30s. And he starts seeing articles that were being picked up nationally by, you know, UPI and AP mm-hmm. that there are strange things going on in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And he decides. Yeah, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to write about it. I'll find what out, find what's going on. Here's the, here's the first. Okay, every single this could be like a drinking game. Every time we bring up something ridiculously <laughs> strange, take a shot. Here's, oh well, no, I already did. But <laughs> here's the first one. He decides on a Friday that on Saturday morning he's going down there. Basically, doesn't discuss it with anyone, not even his editor. He gets down to Point Pleasant, West Virginia. He walks into the hotel and he goes to check in. And the person says, oh, John Keel from the New York Times. <laughs> and he goes, you recognize me? She goes, no, there was a guy over here a couple of days ago. And he said, when John Keel comes in, make sure you treat him right. 
That is very strange. And he said, who was the guy? She goes, I don't know. He yeah. just walked in. She goes, he was weird looking. He had a very deep tan. Oh, boy. But he, was, <laughs> but he wasn't a minority. <laughs> who does that sound like? And he had... And he had very large eyes. Oh, God. With a big grin. Now that's injured cold. That's injured cold. So he walked in and said, Mr. Keel will be here in a couple of days. Right. And the thing in Parkersburg, where it was, where he encountered Durenberger. Yes. It was only a few miles from Point yeah. Pleasant. That's right. Everything actually started in that area and kind of ended up in Point Pleasant. And the reason that John actually went down there, <laughs> this wasn't like one or two sightings. In 1966, there were over 200 sightings of Mothman and UFOs. Yeah. Now, you're talking about an area that had sightings. No one really reported it. But now, 200 sightings of people seeing weird stuff. I I think we should give them an idea of what the Mothman is. We keep mentioning it. Maybe people don't know what he looks like. Okay, so... From every description that we've read um, and had dialogued and cataloged by people who've seen it, he's probably about seven to eight foot tall, very large red eyes, almost described like reflectors on a bicycle. Yeah, that's the thing. They, um, they look like animal eyes, but they, which glow at night, but they, they think it was almost like, like you said, like glowing or almost like electric eyes, depending on who was looking at it, what time of day or whatever. They're very right. bright, obviously. Also, um, where he would be able to basically outstretch his w- arms, he had which wings. had wings. Yeah. And the wings, probably, there was about an eight or ten foot span. He had big, like, which powerful, lower, powerful lower body, powerful legs, almost human-like, but not quite, with a big body and big wings that came out, big wingspan. And the head was big, but it didn't seem to have a neck. Right. So they don't know, almost like it's a big head attached to a body or a helmet. Because mm-hmm. some people don't know whether this is an apparatus or a person. Yeah. And he just kind of shows. And when he takes off, he just takes off straight up. Straight up. And not only that, in some of the situations where he was chasing a car, you had people driving, you know, 40 or 50 miles an hour <laughs> down dirt roads. They look over. He's right in the window. He's on the flying side of next them. to them, looking at right. them. So they speed up. They're doing like ninety or hundred. He's just flying next and to them, he, like yeah, what's they up? They never lose them. And, but yeah, apparently all these things seem to hate cars. I don't know why. <laughs> and the, but in the beginning, most of the Mothman sightings started in an area called they called it the TNT. Right. They were like giant cement bunkers. Yeah. And they used to, Don, didn't they, it was they actually the, manufacture yeah. TNT there? It was the area uh, in World War II, they were manufacturing a lot of uh, explosives there for like shells and things like that, TNT. So they were manufacturing the actual powder there. So it became known as the TNT area or something. And, and then they abandoned it. And now right. uh, there's all these, uh, you know, blocks and, you know, block houses and yeah. storage spaces and everything that are like kind of empty, but some are more overgrown. Some of them are still have leached chemicals out into the surrounding swamps, which people blame for a lot of this. But, but it's an old, it's an old defense department thing for the Second World War, and people used to go hang out there. Uh, well, that that's the thing; it became they popular. The, they like in the sixties, they they were probably hanging out drinking or whatever. They were drinking. People, uh, you know, people would go out there in cars and kind of uh, yeah, like yeah. a lovers' lane kind yeah, of it thing. Was a place you go with your friends, hang out, and you see like graffiti and stuff. You know, I probably would have been there. 
I think you were there. I, I think, think you're, I think you're the Mothman. Where's my sweater? I've been in weird places. I'm sure <laughs> I would have been there. I have nothing to say about that. But uh... <laughs> so Keel goes to Keel goes to Point Pleasant. He figures, and I think his plan was from everything I've read about him. He wanted to validate sightings. He, he was he was intrigued. He wanted to see more. Yeah. Because people that go and investigate these things, they don't go, I want to go see the, the flying saucer. They go, something happened. Let me go find out what happened. Yeah. So they ask witnesses. They look around. They look at the area, see if there's any damage. Yeah, it's like if you saw, if you heard there was a car accident, you'd want to go see if there was some uh, skid marks or a tree down mm-hmm. or something to see if anything really happened. Yeah, he was looking at it more as an investigation. It hadn't gotten a hold of him yet. Right. Yeah. When it got a hold of him, it, it got crazy. Well, that's the danger you're doing this, you know. But, you know, a person that was a part of this with him that I don't think gets the notoriety mm. that she should was a woman called Mary Heyer. She was a writer for the newspaper. She was one of those people that knew everybody in town. But, of course, you would because <coughs> Point Pleasant, I mean, it's it's a small town. So, obviously... Someone who writes for the newspaper is going to know everybody. She was the local person. She did, she did most of the original digging. Yeah, every, and everything went through her. Yes, because, she, because, well, also people in these towns like that, and I don't blame them, they don't automatically trust you if you come from outside because they're probably thinking, you come from New York to West Virginia. Right. What are you going to say about us? Because you hear the people in the introduction, they have West Virginia accents, and people tend to go, well, that's why you get these hillbillies here and this stuff. You can't just poo-poo somebody because they have a different accent. These well, people are just as intelligent as you, and they know what they're looking at. Well, the first thing the police said to him was, are you here to make us look stupid? Yeah, because that's what people do. They come into towns like that, and they go, well, these people believe this. This is crazy. You know? Yeah. Maybe well, they'll say it quite that goofily. But So Mary kind of sits with them. She goes over some of the newspaper stories that she wrote um, about the Mothman chasing cars, about the Mothman kind of... Somebody's walking their dog and they see like a gray image and then all of a sudden it kind of stands up in front of them and takes off and shoots up off into the sky. But you remember the thing is now, here's something really creepy. What was one of the first sightings of him? The guys in the graveyard. Guys, in, That's right. Guys one of the, the first graveyard. sightings, five guys were digging a grave in a graveyard and they look up and they saw him kind of flying around. They're like, what's yeah. that? That was like the first sighting in that area. That that's was recorded. the first sighting. That's the first recorded sighting. And, and that, As and, if that wasn't creepy enough. Yeah, Mary had that in her newspaper. Yeah. And so they go over all this stuff. And it also turns out that Mary's niece actually encountered the Mothman. She was leaving work. She, so she's 18 years old. She gets in her car and she's driving down the road and she sees this thing. She stops the car. She gets out of the car. She's looking... And the Mothman kind of looks right back at her. And then she sees a silver ship. What mm. she called was saucer-shaped. She did not call it a spaceship. She said it was saucer-shaped. And the Mothman was gone. She saw the ship. She was terrified. She got in her car and she took off. Mm. The Mothman is right there alongside her. As she's pulling away. As she's pulling away. And as she's driving. I'm getting out of here too. She said she was doing 80 miles an hour down a dirt road. And she was terrified on two accounts. One, the Mothman is right there with Mm -hmm. her. Two, she saw a spaceship. Actually, three accounts. Three, she said, 
I'm doing 80 miles an hour down a dirt road in the country. Something <laughs> really? could pop up. Really? A deer could run out. So John and Mary go to talk to her. So John says, I want to talk to her. So they go to her house. When they walk in and look at her, her eyes are swollen, red, and as John said, they look. it looks like she has conjunctivitis, mm. pink eye. Which he found... That was a common thing. Most people who saw UFOs close up or the Mothman... They had problems with their eyes. Had problems with their eyes. Yeah, for whatever reason. Could be those lights, could be anything. What makes it scarier is someone came up to her, a man in black, a couple of days later, and said that you shouldn't talk to John Keel. Then she was walking down the street, and a car pulls up. It was a late model Cadillac, really nice car, a couple of guys in it, and they asked her for directions. And as she walked closer to the car to give directions, they grabbed her arm and tried to pull her into the car. She was able to pull away, and the last thing they told her was, stop talking to John Keel. She runs to her car, gets in the car, goes home, Apparently, they followed her, and they slipped a note under her door, and it just said, stop talking, or there will be consequences. Hmm. Okay. I have two comments about that. Go ahead. One is, uh, it's interesting that Injured Cole is is setting up to uh, welcome him, welcome John Keel, and that the men in black are trying to sway them. Are they working in two different directions there? Well, that so my question is, who are the men in black? And the thing with the men in black is, I would have taken something and tried to break one of their windows so you could analyze the glass later and see if it's a real car, hmm. or if it fixed itself, or if it's in your mind. That, yeah, because frankly, I don't care for them. For the men in black, yeah, I don't care for them. Yeah, I don't, whoever they are, I don't care. Yeah. I mean, they're... I'd be willing to talk to them after they're done torturing me. But <laughs> yeah, you know, why, why, a long time ago, I was reading something. I won't go there. The guy was a guy named Bertolt Schwartz who wrote a lot of stuff, and he wrote a lot of. Very interesting parapsychology. He wrote a lot of stuff about the men in black years ago. And one of the things that seemed to come up in those old stories was sometimes they would often ask for water. Yes. And they would seem like they were, they getting, always they were getting run down and they needed water. Mm-hmm. I told a friend of mine, I was an investigator, if they show up, you know how I could talk. I would just keep talking and not stop talking just get, until they, they, and not give them any water. So they get so dehydrated, they either pass out or have to leave. There are times I've been with Don <laughs> and I couldn't get water and I passed out. Well, let me out tell you something. Keep pushing it. Um, now, yeah, I know. This is all very... You can spe- well, I can talk all the crap I want, but it's scary as hell to have two people show up at your house and say, you know... Well, wait, here's the other it's thing. It's bad enough when it's humans, trust me. Here's the other thing, and how we said in the beginning, this can go down different rabbit holes. And it all shows in the same place. Don just mentioned the men in black asking for water. Mm-hmm. In the Mothman Prophecies book, John Keel talks about men in black showing up at a person's home many times, but this one happened to be in Long Island, asked for water, and when they gave the man the water, he took out gigantic yellow pills. The person said it almost almost would be like 20 times the size of a normal <laughs> like a vitamin or and take the pill, and <laughs> once they took the pill and had the water, they kind of came more back to life. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, see, that, that makes you think, is this something being, uh, who knows, maybe they're dead people regenerated and used this way, maybe they're aliens, who knows, but they need the water, which explains why everybody's here on this planet. They all need the water. 
So what happens next? Well, next. My God knows. Next, they start <laughs> noticing dead dogs. See, now this annoys me. Yeah, why would you call a dog? Dogs always suffer. They always want to always. get rid of it. That's what it, uh, I won't get into the whole thing with Skinwalker Ranch. That's what always bothered me about Skinwalker Ranch when they put guard dogs out and referred to them as biosensors. Right. That told me you didn't care what happened to the dogs. Well, here, when John spoke to some farmers and some local people who lost dogs and didn't yeah. even know what happened to them, the let they said that they would hear the noise in the distance, they saw this Mothman kind of thing, and the dogs would take off after them. They never saw the dog again. No, but was there a story? How about the guy, one of the early stories, who was the guy who saw the Mothman in his barn? The yeah. Story, he went in the barn, yeah. and the Mothman stood up out of the ground. He was like, because he must have been laying, whatever he's doing in there, maybe he's chasing rats, who knows. But he, he stands up, and he's there, and the guy goes in, looks at the thing, and goes, well, I don't like this, and he backs out, but his German shepherd didn't. Right. And I think the shepherd encountered the thing. He found out later the dog was just gone. The dog was just, right. Torn the, up or something. But then they started finding the dogs, not even torn up, just dead with all their blood gone. Yeah. Then they got a call. The sheriff got a call. Immediately called Mary Hire to say, you better go out and check this out. That's interesting because it's almost like, once again, it's almost like Bray Road where they had a folder that said werewolves. Yeah. They know what's, there's strange yeah. stuff going on. They just don't know what to do about it. So Mary Hire grabs John. They go out to the farm. They see the farmer. And the farmer actually says to him, this is the damnedest thing I've ever seen. And he points, and there's parts of a cow surgically um, disseminated. He's cut up. Mm -hmm. Legs here, uh, you know, leg over there, leg over there, head over there. No blood. The cuts are laser-like cuts. And the only thing he says is, I heard a noise. I went outside. And there was a giant silver domed thing that was maybe 150 feet over where my cows were. And they shone a light on this one cow. And by the time I can run out there with my rifle, it was gone and the cow was exactly as you see it. No see, blood. This is why, it, when, I, when I mentioned another story like I did before, I'm not mentioning it to get off track. I'm mentioning it to, to show you similarities. Now, you look, at, you look at that, and you think of the story in uh, Skimwalker Ranch. These people were raising, which we are going to eventually get. These people were raising cattle. They were raising expensive cattle. Yeah. They were tagging the cattle. They, they had a calf that they tagged. They went off to tag another cow. And then they heard, they saw this cow, the, the adult cow, running around like she was in distress. And they looked back, and the calf that they had just tagged was totally eviscerated. Right. It was just... And they were standing there. Seconds. They were standing, they were standing there. standing there. And this thing was... 60-something pounds of meat was gone. Yeah. But it wasn't gnawed because they looked at... The people that analyzed the bones said it had been done by two blades, handheld blades, one a large razor-sharp blade and one a smaller, like, handheld blade. Yeah. And it had done by, hand, done by blades. So you would have to hold a blade and do it. Yeah. Not a machine. So, yeah. you know, how does that happen? What did that? And it's similarities to this. So it's like when you look at all these stories, as you go down, there's more similarities and differences. So there was one other thing, Don. A blood mobile. I don't think we, we don't really see too much of them anymore. <laughs> this is what I haven't heard. Let's go. Okay, so a blood mobile is driving 
through it goes through town and it's I don't know where it was going but it's it's out on you know one of those country roads now again remember this is 1966 yeah they were basically and they were basically like <coughs> one lane in each direction right kind of like old Jersey roads all these states had those old roads used to ride one lane basically in right direction. so they're driving they see in the rearview mirror what looks like a spaceship <laughs> gaining on them Great. comes over them. The side opens up, and what looks like giant pincher arms comes out. Great. Grabs onto the blood mobile <laughs> and is trying to lift it. The image is just like great. And the only thing that stopped it from what the driver of the blood mobile and the other person in the in the mobile said was that cars started coming the other direction. And for some reason, when they had their high beams on, it scared them off. The pinchers kind of came off, and it took off. Okay. So, I don't know what to do with that. I mean, at that point, John Keel said, so is, is blood the common denominator? What is the... It's, then he go, they go, they hear reports again in that TNT area. So he says, I'm going there. So Mary says, I'll go with you. And a few other people went. They went in, didn't really see anything. As they're leaving, they hear a noise. So John says, I'm going back in. Nobody else is going to go back in. He goes in. He, it was funny because he had a flashlight that he loved. It was a high-powered, high-beam flashlight. And he's in there with the high-powered, high-beam flashlight. He saw some crazy shadows, what could have been the Mothman. He saw the red reflective eyes. And all of a sudden, there was a very low metallic noise when he saw a humanoid figure walking towards him. And it was the noise was so like disconcerting that he just started searching to get out mm-hmm. to find the door. Mm-hmm. He comes out. The people outside heard the noise. They were covering their ears. And then they look over and John's ears are bleeding. Oh, so the whole blood thing is a, you know, it's well, yeah. it, it's it's showing up everywhere now. Well, yeah, and, and the thing is too, you gotta like when you hear things like low level uh, sounding things like that. You always have uh, a, there, a lot of people have experimented with this, and even uh, the military even has like sound control devices. They can roll out these big things that they can project sound. That yes. Incapacitate people crazy. Crowd. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they've been experimenting, but who knows what that's based on? But it's true. I mean, something like that. Who knows what that? That could have just been pure energy doing that. It doesn't have to be a buzz, uh, like an audible buzz. It could be just so much energy emanating from something. Yeah, that you feel that buzz, and and they're the rattling it in his head. There. I mean, who knows? To me, that would be like if you just decided to play the. And, and to, to not believe all this, you'd have to just assume that all these people are lying for no yeah. reason. Well, to me, you, you can, can understand some people could be mistaken about something, but if you drive along, you look next to you, and there's a big red-headed, red-eyed thing, a huge head flying next to your car, and people go, it's probably an owl. Right. Well, there could be, some of these sightings could be owls, they could be other creatures and things, but some of this stuff is way beyond that. Well, in April, Keel finally saw a UFO, and he decides to use his flashlight and shoot a Morse code message to it. What are you here for? What are you doing? Right. Well, the UFO responds. 
Who, they responded, who the hell uses Morse code anymore? Right, exactly. Except the Navy. <laughs> but, there, but every single time he saw the UFOs, he would use his flashlight. And it made the situation a lot scarier because they would come closer. So the people he were with were, you know, very upset about that. And not long after that, who shows up and contacts him? <laughs> Indrid Cold. Well, it's interesting. He almost made a, a, almost made a reservation for him. And then he wanted to make sure he was there when he called. Right. I think. Yeah. And, in, and Injured didn't meet him face-to-face. He called him. And, and once again, Injured Cold. Ladies right. and gentlemen, Injured Cold. I mean, I, my name is Injured Cold. I'm here to bother you. And, and he essentially started talking to John about UFOs, what some of their plans were. He talked a little bit about um, Lanulos. And how he did, really didn't want to buy that sewing machine from George Durenberg. He didn't want the sewing machine at all. They don't wear clothes on Lanulos. Not like that anyway. But then at the same time, Mary Heyer started having, again, strange people with dark skin and big eyes and weird-shaped bodies. Well, she was the one who was taking a lot of heat for this. A lot of heat. Because she did most of the original work and everything. Well, she had someone come <clears throat> up to her and said, what would you do if someone told you to stop publishing the stories that you and John are encountering? And she, her response was, I would tell them to go to hell. And this one guy leaned in, he said, well, you better listen or something's going to happen. I'm surprised you didn't say something like, we just came from there. <laughs> uh, yeah, the thing is, too, uh, when, you, when you talk about John Keel getting this call from Injured Cole, a good example of that is if you want to go on YouTube, you don't have to watch the whole movie because the whole movie is kind of weird, boring, Mothman prophecies. But, mm-hmm. but they have the excerpt on there where uh, John Keel picks up the, the phone in his hotel room and it's Injured Cole. Yes. And he's telling him what's going on in the room. Mm-hmm. And he hides something. He goes, where is that? And he tells it. Like, he right. can read his mind and see everything. Well, You John, can just watch that few-minute clip right there, you know. John, That'll give um, you an idea. The interactions between John and Indrid were really creepy because Indrid started giving him, um, like, prophecies. He was making predictions, mm-hmm. things that would happen. People who would contact you. Uh, think, things like that. The biggest one that he... He actually gave John was that the Pope was going to be killed in Turkey. He would show up, there would be huge crowds, and in the middle of that, he would be killed. So when the perp, the they hadn't even announced that the Pope was going to Turkey. Right. Well, about three months later, the Pope announces or the Vatican announces. The Pope will be visiting blah, 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 and Turkey. Right. So now John's panicked. John goes, they're going to kill the Pope. Whoever these people are are going to kill the Pope. And he's watching on TV as the Pope gets out of the plane and people are surrounding the plane and he's waiting for the Pope to be killed. And what happens is someone was arrested earlier in the day with a knife because he was going to kill the Pope. Right. So the prophecy didn't fully come true, but there was enough there to really intrigue John. But how about the guy that actually shot the later Pope? The one that was actually yes. shot? Yes. Who shot him? 
Um, it was a Turkish guy, wasn't it? That's right. It was a Turkish and guy. He was part of the Gray Wolves or something. It was an organization. I didn't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> I just happen to know that. That's but it, just... you know, that's why I'm here, Ted. That it, yeah, it's true. I put it all together. That's true. You I do. think too. You got to realize too when they talk about this stuff how it all comes together. It seems. Look at you. Look at a messenger coming out of nowhere to tell you about the future. Every once in a while, popping in and out of your life. Okay, what does that sound right. like? The Telly Savala story. Absolutely. I mean, I call these things back because there's similarities in them. You don't see, maybe one appears to be a ghost, one appears to be a spaceman, one appears to be Bigfoot. You don't know if it's the same thing. It tricks them yeah. playing with you, playing with your mind. And the other thing that, that, um, that Don and I were discussing before we started the show was when you look at Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and it's, it's on the Ohio River, mm. and... That Ohio Valley all the way up to Illinois is... Yeah, it goes through the Appalachians. Like we've talked before, the Appalachians are actually one of the oldest mountain ranges in the world. Mm -hmm. And that is a very much intense area there. And then you go up to that area, you go up to Pennsylvania, you get up to a place that we're going to cover again. It's a very similar thing, Chestnut Ridge. Right. Which is a lot of happening. Then you go up and you're going up to Illinois. up to. And now there's been sightings in the last couple of years, people have claimed to see the Mothman in Chicago. Yeah. And yeah. look at the disaster that is. So maybe there's something to it. <laughs> but the thing is, and also Illinois is named after the tribe. Was it the Illini people? Illini people? Illini, Illini. And they, they were, forgive me if I didn't pronounce it right, but that was their, their territory. That's why it's named Illinois. And they had a big belief in thunderbirds and things in the sky. And they were woe to go, really go out onto the open areas because of that. So wait, are you saying that the Mothman was seen in Chicago and then Chicago got Lori Lightfoot as mayor? That was their disaster? I didn't say that, but I'm just saying you can interpret that any way you want. But there have been supposedly sightings of him. You don't know now because you've got people who uh, you know, are stupid enough to dress up and do all kinds of things. Who knows? But, I mean, it's just the fact that it's entered the, uh, the mindset of people. Yeah. See, these things intrude themselves into your subconscious. And, you're, and the more you're aware of them, the more you're likely to see them. And Whether you're creating them in your own mind or they're able to manifest because of that. And the more you check this stuff out, the more you realize there's no answer. Yeah, and you have to realize that a lot of this is happening because of your brain chemistry and your yourself and that you can learn to control these things so that you can respond in an appropriate manner. Yeah. Like, so you don't panic or get scared. If you see something, maybe you say, what did I see? But say exactly what you saw. Don't make up. Here's an interesting fact I found out. Okay, not to get, as far as what you see, okay? Mm-hmm. And I got this from a friend of mine who's an investigator. We'll talk about this eventually. He was saying how when people see a creature, okay, They'll say, this happens a lot lately. They'll say, I saw a Sasquatch. I saw Bigfoot. Okay, let's draw a picture of them. They have experts come in, artists, okay? Tell us what you saw. After you draw it, it looks more like the dog man or a werewolf with fangs and everything. They go, yeah. they go well, it looks more like a werewolf. Why didn't you say that? They go, because I didn't think people would accept that. So I said I saw Bigfoot because I know everybody would say, oh, well, you saw it. So in other words, what's more acceptable now, you could say. Right. So they'll say, I saw Bigfoot rather than I saw a big snarling yeah. dog man. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's an interesting. I'm just saying, it's an interesting way about your mind. How you can fool your own mind. How many layers of that are on your mind that you have to peel off? You know. Yeah. What's um, listen? We can look at every single sighting that they had in West Virginia. Oh, there's a lot. You can look into this. So this much. is just the beginning. Really, you could really look at this yourself. But it's something that you could. This subject alone, you could talk about every week. And there's other subjects like that that we're going to be covering in the future. There are similar things. But the this, this story will really be the similarities between them more than the differences. Yes. And 
In November of 1967. November. November again, right. So John Keel is going to go back to West Virginia. He he didn't stay in West Virginia for like, I mean, it was a month here, two weeks here, four weeks here. And what he, he would always come back to New York. Now, when he got back to New York, it was a disaster every time. His phone, first of all, his phone bill was in the thousands of dollars, <laughs> right. and he wasn't in the apartment yeah. for times. That's because all those phone taps, they were running up his bill. Right. He contacted the phone company. He finally convinced them, my phone's tapped. Yeah. Well, they send the guy. They go down into the basement. They open up the thing. And the guy actually looks at him and says, listen, nobody opens up these things. Because once you get in there, that's it. They go in, and yes, the guy sees a tap on it. And then it turns out that people were calling John and getting someone else that would say, uh, John's not here right now, but I can oh, take right, a message. So they intercepted his calls while yes. he wasn't in town. Right. God knows. So then was- John heard this, and he called the number. The guy answers and goes, John's not here right now. I can take a message for him. And he said, well, this is John Keel. Who are you? Yeah. And then the guy hangs up the phone right away. It's a prank call, prank call. <laughs> prank call, prank call. Yeah, I mean, that's just weird because is there, is, then that makes you think, is there, a, is there a group, an actual group or an agency that's involved in all this earthbound? Right. Is it just simply you know, interdimensional or aliens? Is it the government? If it's the government, why are they so curious if there's nothing going on? He, here's another this thing. This is how deep you get into this stuff, you know? John, John had a lot of... I'm going to use the word weird. John had a lot of weird friends. And he, had, he had a friend um, in Long Island. Uh, excuse me, in New I, Jersey. I don't, I don't think we're, we're, we're ones that should judge that. Though. That is I'll just true. Say, I'll just say that. He had a friend in New Jersey. And um, he always he kind of always bounced these, um, these thoughts and all off him. Because the guy was open to this stuff and all. And the guy was a strange guy. He, he had he skin issues. He gave the guy's name? He he gave a fake name, so I'm not even going to worry okay. about no, giving it. I was just wondering. Okay. The guy had skin issues, so when he wore pants or regular shirts, it would irritate his skin. So he spent most of his time when he was home walking around in like a woman's house dress. Well, It was Ed Wood. <laughs> no, it was not Ed Wood. Injured Cold calls John and says at the end of a call... Oh, by the way, your friend, so-and-so, the one who wears women's clothes. Oh, man. That's now, like, John, yeah, that's John never told him about this guy. That's not something you would share. He says, give him this. And he gave him basically a recipe <clears throat> of a prescription for different homeopathic things. He says, and tell him to take this, you know, two, three times a day with this much water He'll notice a difference. And when he told his friend this and his friend started doing it, within a week, his friend noticed my skin issues are basically gone. (laughs) So, and it was right around that time in November that John's ready to go back to West Virginia and Indrid calls him and says, don't go back to West Virginia. You don't want to go right now. And he was like, well, I wasn't going to go until December. He says, just don't go to West Virginia. He says, also, 
the night that the president does the tree lighting ceremony, there will be a huge blackout on the East Coast. So prepare for that. It could be a long time. So John goes out, gets all the essentials, water and uh, food, and he's got flashlights and batteries. And his friend comes over, and he's watching. He's going to watch the tree lighting with him, and he's and he tells his friend all about this. Mm-hmm. He says to his friend, "Listen, you're going to have trouble getting home. The subway's." Get-. His friend goes, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." They watch the tree lighting. Lyndon Johnson presses the button. The tree lights up, and nothing happens. So his friend says, "Nothing happened." John says, "I'm happy that he was wrong." Yeah. As the words are coming out of his mouth, a scroll comes across the bottom and they cut to a newsroom and say the Silver Bridge in Point Pleasant, West Virginia has collapsed. Multiple fatalities. Which was a nightmare. 48 people were killed. Yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of a rush hour thing and it was Christmas shopping. So the bridge right. was the bridge because the light on one side there would be a little bit of a backup because it was built so long ago. So they were kind of gridlocked onto the bridge. These people, yeah. And it was an older bridge that was wasn't really constructed for that kind of use, that kind of weight and right. use over a period of time. So there was some stress. It was due to be checked again, but it had been checked. They said it was fine, and then eventually uh, an eye bolt or something gave, and it just collapsed yep. like a domino. And like you said, and two of those bodies were never recovered. It was horrible. There were cars, there was Christmas yeah. packages. Now, Mary Heyer... the Christmas season. In the movie, Mary Heyer says that she's had a premonition and she had dreams and seeing mm-hmm. packages. That's not really what happened. In real life, Mary Heyer did have a premonition of a tragedy. She wasn't sure what it was. And she would hear babies crying. It was just this feeling that something was going to Something happen. was imminent and, and something some, was going to happen. Some people claim they saw the Mothman around the bridge earlier. Yes. And that's one of the problems. They don't know whether he was trying to warn people or whether he caused it. Right. That's one of the big questions. So it goes beyond whether he's really there. And now it's like, what is he up to? Yeah. You know what I mean? And the thing you mentioned, Jersey before, the injured cold. Mm-hmm. Every one of the first sightings of him was in Elizabeth, New Jersey. So to those two kids. So he was in New Jersey. Yeah. So he was in New Jersey. Yeah. At that time. And then he and it went down there. Well, three years later, Mary Heyer, at the age of 54, dies. Yeah. Um, and there were no reports of any kind of crazy illness. They said natural causes. But 54. three years later, 54, she dies. That's not natural. John Keel basically who was trying to verify his extraterrestrial hypothesis, came out with the same kind of a conclusion that Dr. Alan Hynek, who was part of the Project Blue Book, um, came up with. And he said that these objects and apparitions don't necessarily originate on another planet, and they may not ever exist as permanent constructions of matter, it's more likely that we see what we want to see and interpret those visions according to our contemporary beliefs. Mm-hmm. Because the way he looked at it, a lot of people, while seeing the same thing, 
basically had whatever they saw and the way they described it conform to the the way their belief system yeah, was. Yeah, their cultural. That's why you right. can hear the same story. You hear the same stories between uh, indigenous people in different areas, their, yep. their legends. And then you'll have a more technological report on it now. But you really look at it, it's not that different. And neither one had yeah. the answer. The, the people in the old days used to know how to placate it. You know, and that was yeah. it. They just kind of, okay, we won't go there, we won't do this, we won't do that. And they develop rules to kind of avoid it. Whereas now we go right after it. So who knows where that's going to go. And the thing we should mention about the Mothman, how he got his name. Because he, uh, when they came around, it wasn't really that it looked like a moth. Somebody said he looked like a moth. And they, uh, there was a character in a Batman comic. Yeah. I think I have that comic yeah. somewhere. If I could find it. There was, a, there was a, I think it was called Helgamite or something. There was a guy, a moth. But he looked like a, a bug. He had this heavy body. And he had these huge yeah. wings and big red eyes. He'd fly. So somebody named that, this thing, Mothman, after that. Mm-hmm. Which, once again, that juncture of uh, fiction and nonfiction in our minds. Who knows who's yeah. creating what at this point. So we talk about all this stuff with the Mothman and Point Pleasant and the Silver Bridge and John Keel, and we're in the same position we were when we started the night with no answers. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and honestly, we've talked about this a lot, and we've gotten some great feedback from some of our listeners as to what they like about the show. And what they like is, listen, we're just going to tell you what we know. Yeah, we're not going to say it's true or it's not true necessarily. We're just telling you what people who, people who have investigated have said, Yep. what witnesses have said. Even people who have debunked these things say it's not happened. We'll tell you what they say, too, because we're trying to figure out what's really going on. Yep. Even if it's just going on in people's heads, why is it going on? So these two episodes, to me, were a lot of fun. Yeah, in, they kind of tie together very Andrew well. Injured Cold yeah. and, uh, and, and the Mothman and John Keel. <laughs> and we still have no answers. But We have no answers. We have more people know more things about this that we will look into. If we have anything, any updates or anything more interesting, we're going to do follow-ups on these. I yeah, absolutely. Some point, because some of the things we're going to get into are going to be natural callbacks to these things. Yeah. Because the more I'm, I'm, I'm reading all this, I'm doing more research now, and it's like, oh my God, it all just comes back to the same place. It does. It's really weird. But this was fun. Don. It um, really was. I enjoyed it. We'll come up with another great topic yeah. for uh, our next episode. I can't wait to see that. Of course. I, and again, I want to thank everybody who listens to the show. Yeah, I who hope subscribes. you really enjoy this. this is, we're having fun doing it, so I hope you're having fun listening to it. And remember, tell your friends. This is something we really we want to get out there. It's the only way we know to get out there. Tell your friends. Um, and uh, I, I think that's it. Ah, uh, yeah. I would have to say cheery bye. I, what was it? Cheery bye. What does that mean? Oh, yeah, that's, that's Scottish, of course. Cheery, cheery bye, yeah. All right, it's too take late. Care. All right. Have a good day, people. It's too late for me to cue up the Scottish I got to say cheery bye. <laughs> ah, go get a drink. 